open your Bibles to the book of Acts. Wow, did you hear that? A pin could drop. Let's try that again. Would you open your Bibles to the book of Acts? <laughs> I'll take a manufactured woo over the Bible. That's fine. I don't mind. Uh, so here we go. Acts chapter 11. What is the name of this series that we're in? It's the Spirit-Filled Church. Everybody say it out loud. And we have two big, big goals as we're walking through this series. We want to learn, we want to learn what it meant so that we can live what it means. Let's try it. Faithy faith, let me get those two clickety clacks on there. Now that we know the answers, let's try it again. We want to so we can. We don't want to just observe and go, oh, that's interesting about the spirit, but we want to live what it means. Okay, all right, it's 10 o'clock, thought you had more energy, we got you another donut, but I'll, we'll keep going here. We, here it is, Acts chapter 11, beginning at verse 19. I will interrupt myself as I read this because the Bible is just too fun. And plus there's some stuff we want to just fill in as we go. Are you ready? Here we go, Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed. Wait a minute. What chapter are we in? 11. But we just heard verse 19 say, now those, so wait a minute, what Luke has done is we're in 11, but now real quick to, for, for context, we got to turn our page back, turn it again, got to turn it again, turn it again. You got to go back to all the way to page 1571. Acts chapter 8, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, et al., etc. So, uh, and then, so in Acts chapter 8, persecution breaks out, and we know that, that, that Philip goes to Samaria, right? There, and then we have the revival in Samaria, Did, right? Remember that? Look. I need you to remember that. If you didn't, we can read it again, but I won't go over it today. So there's a revival in Samaria, and that's wonderful. And then, uh, and then Peter and John, the, the, the Jerusalem church, they hear about what's going on in Samaria. So they send Peter and John to check out Samaria, and they see that, that they had not yet received the Spirit, so they lay hands on them so they too will receive the Spirit. Meanwhile, Philip leaves Samaria because the Lord tells him to go run down this road. So he runs down this road. He runs into uh, the Ethiopian eunuch in a chariot, and he leads him to the knowledge of Jesus Christ baptizes him. That Ethiopian goes to the ends of the earth in Ethiopia, brings the gospel there before any European ever heard the gospel. The Ethiopians did. Nothing but net. Okay? So, so that's awesome. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Saul of Tarsus, he's still blowing his top. He's heading to Damascus to go persecute some more people. And Jesus knocks him off his, off his donkey. And, uh, and, 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 he, and he lands and then he sees the light. And Why are you persecuting? And who are you? and I'm Jesus, and oh boy. Ananias comes, lays hands, scales fall off, filled with the Holy Spirit. Then Saul goes in Jerusalem, says, hey, hey, look at me, and they panic. They panic. He starts raising the fuss. He's, he's preaching. They can't resist it. They say, let's kill him. So he, he gets all fired up. He's excited about Jesus, but whoo, they're not quite ready for him, so they send him to Tarsus. Whew, they're called. Meanwhile, Peter's traveling and doing his thing. He eventually, he's doing all kinds of cool stuff. Goes to Joppa, has the vision, goes to Cornelius' house. Holy Ghost, come down on Gentiles. We all have the same spirit. Yeah. <sighs> Meanwhile, 
Meanwhile, other people went around. If you look at the, the, around the coast of the Mediterranean, they, they spread out. They go out to the east, to the tip of Africa, and the top of Libya, and they go up to Syria, and they're spreading the gospel. And that's where we pick it up. That was quite the interruption. That was as long as I've gone yet. i got to be careful. <laughs> they traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyrus, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word among, only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also. Now, Antioch, Antioch is, is, a, is, a, is a great city. It's a fantastic, it's huge, it's robust, it's very Roman, it's very cosmopolitan. Uh, there's, a, there's a huge uh, presence of uh, first century Hellenistic Judaism being practiced there. There's a, in other words, there's a lot of Jewish people of, of, of Jewish, Jewish faith in Antioch. Antioch has a big road going right down the middle of it, uh, well paved, and it has lights, lights going right down Antioch. And you might think, ooh, that sounds like Narnia, very beautiful, how lovely. I want to go to Antioch and walk the lighted, ooh, right? You want to be on a carriage, right? How beautiful that might be. Well, sort of, but instead of thinking carriage and lampposts, think Vegas. Because we're not talking, this isn't, this, this, this isn't in Missouri. This is Rome, okay? Uh, this isn't Branson, <laughs> okay? Uh, this is Vegas. And so the lights, it's more like the strip. So Antioch is a little, I mean, it's cosmopolitan, but it's out there. Not quite, maybe, maybe competing with Corinth in terms of licentiousness, all right? So that's what's happening. In, so they, they go to Antioch, and they're preaching the gospel to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus and the Lord's hand. Someone say the Lord's hand. The Lord's hand was with them. That is not just a euphemism. That's not a sentiment. That's an actual thing. In Acts chapter 4, uh, we, Luke describes the Lord's hand as being stretched out to heal and perform signs and wonders. We're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit still at work. Somebody said amen. They're sharing the good news, and the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reaches, again, the church in Jerusalem. People just can't help but spread positive gossip. That's how anything gets done in Acts, is positive gossip. You should practice that. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived, he saw what the grace of God had done. And he was glad. And he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Wow. I want to start with the end. They were called Christians first at Antioch. The Spirit-filled church are Christians. Verse 26, the, Christ, they were, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Christians. What did this mean and why were they called this? Christian. Christian, uh, contemporarily speaking, Christian may have formal and tradition, 
traditional and sometimes even quasi-political implications. And, and, and the, for the last number of years, I don't know how long, I could guess, but it doesn't matter. Um, for the last few years, you know, when you, you read paperbacks, you go to seminars and, you, and people write articles, there's kind of been a sub, subtext, sort of a quiet message. Not that message, but the message has kind of been this, hey, 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 let's not call ourselves Christians because Christian has kind of been hijacked by by, by agendas and by and has and, that, and, be, and those that have hijacked it have kind of left poor tastes in people's mouths. Let's not use that. Let's let's use like Christ follower or something like that, so that people aren't so bothered. And I, you know, I get it. I get it that you know people people don't hijack bad things. Nobody the the, the, the abandoned car on the side of the road. Nobody's like, hey, pull over. Let's let's hijack that. Let's jack that car. People only jack valuable things. They see, they see a valuable thing, something that's worth something, and they want to hijack that. So Christian is a title, an idea that has been hijacked. But I don't care because it meant something real. And it still does. And it has deep meaning. Now, back then, what does it mean? What does Christian mean? Just look it up. It just, it, it, the, the, at best, I mean, it's pretty simple. It means little Christs, Christ ones, Christ people. It may, people, you say, oh, it was a term of derision. I mean, okay, maybe, because it may be. They're like, hi, you're a Christian. I don't know that. But other historians uh, help us see that uh, among the things, you know, that happened in Antioch, that stayed in Antioch, is uh, Antioch tent- had a, tended to have a, a tendency to give people nicknames. Okay, so maybe they gave, somehow the people at Antioch gave nicknames to groups of people. Well, I think it's important for us to stop right here. They, because it is important that we recognize that the disciples did not first call themselves Christians. They were called this by others. Perhaps by people who weren't Christians, who were pagans or part of some sort of pantheistic nonsense. Whatever this group of people, these other group of people were, they saw this group of people, they observed this group of people, and they, said, and they started to say, they, they are Christ, those are Christians. Those are little Christs. Those are Christ people. You know what? There would no, that would not be possible if their faith was private. If they just, you know, hey, 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 keep it to yourself. Personal, private, keep it to yourself. They, no one, if you, you, you can't, if they were secret agents, if their faith was hidden, if their faith was unknown, if their faith was, if their faith was unshared, if their faith was unpracticed, if their faith was irrelevant, if their faith wasn't seen or heard or felt, no one would have called them Christian. So then, Christian is not a trademark. It's a reputation. Why? 
what kind of reputation did they have? Well, we can infer these were people who acted like, who talked about, and who identified with Jesus Christ. They were, th th these were people who were enamored by Jesus. These, are, these were people who were fervent about Jesus. Th these were probably people who their lives imitated Jesus Christ. They lived as Jesus for Jesus. And, you know, when I first wrote this years ago, I looked at a time I spoke through this passage, and I titled the message Jesus People. <laughs> and I like that because I like Jesus People. I like the Jesus movement a lot. <laughs> it shook the nation and the world. Don't ever underestimate it. I love this. So I love Jesus People. But I thought, you know, that's true, and I love it, and I love it. But Christian was the name. It should be noticed or noted that Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's not his last name. Christ means something. It means the anointed one. Jesus, the anointed one. And so they're called Christians. They're literally being called anointed ones. Little anointed ones. In other words, there was something about these people that their lives were characterized not only by an allegiance to Jesus of Nazareth, but by the presence of the Holy Spirit. These were people of the Spirit. Somebody say people of the Spirit. Oh, if you can say that and stay in your seat, I don't even want to know you. They were people of the Spirit. Christians. I'm going to pull on this further. They were called Christians. Called, called. There is that. I thought. Well, I wonder. Yep. It's a. It's not just a. It's not so simple as just a, a verb of of a name. It, it, called here is our is that idea of vocation. Of business of occupation. Christian, was their calling. This is like calling someone a lawyer. It always feels like a joke when you say that. This is like calling someone a lawyer or a tailor or a physician or a brick mason or a carpenter. Why do we call people those things? It's because what, it's what they do. It's what they do so much that we call them that. And it's the same for why they were called Christians. And if I can pull on this thread one more time. They were called Christians first somebody say first how i realized it could very well just be a consequence of the grammar but i don't care i really like it it probably just means that they were that this was the first place that they were called christians fine but i thought well, i'm going to wrestle with this and just see the rhythm of the and i thought yep the rhythm of the grammar just works they were, they were called Christians first. Not second. It wasn't their second identity. It wasn't an ancillary thing. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't an accessory that they wore. They weren't also... <laughs> yeah! It doesn't say... And at Antioch, they were also Christians. 
They were this and they were that and they were the other thing and they were also Christians. No, they were Christians. Mm. Whatever they were, whatever else they were, they were Christians first. I don't often do a lot of premarital counseling. But the, and when I have, the first thing I will do when I sit with a couple is, is tell them this. You'll make it if you'll be a Christian first. I'm not even a husband first. I'm a Christian first. That means I'm accountable to Jesus. When I, when I tell Jesus she hurt my feelings, he usually says, I don't care. Your job is to die like I did. Yes, sir. If you'll be a Christian first, it'll fix a lot. Certainly stop a lot of our whining. <laughs> Imitating Christ had pride of place in their life. Whatever else they were, they were Christians first. Are you? Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian first? You should be. What were, what were these Christians like? We can infer all we want, but Luke told us a few things. So let's go back and look. What were they like? Chapter 19, uh, verse, uh, 19 through 21. Uh, those, they were scattered, uh, and they went, and they spoke the word, first among Jews. Some of them, from Cyprus, since I read, went through, began to speak also to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. What were they like? What were, what were they, why were they called Christians? What were they like? They talked about Jesus. Someone say that out loud. They talked about Jesus. You know, a lot of other things fill our mouth. They talked about, I would say this, they talked about Jesus first. They spread the word to the, it says that they spread the word to the Jews, and sometimes they get a bad rap for that, but it makes sense. Uh, the events of Acts chapter 10 and 11 were either happening concurrently or they wouldn't have known about them or it hadn't happened yet. And so their pattern, their, that they, they wanted to bring the message to those who would hear it, who had the paradigm of the gospel or the paradigm of the scriptures, of the law and the prophets. So they, they come to the Jews first. Great. But then we have these other people, these nameless people. We don't know who they are. People from Cyprus and Cyrene. What was their name? What was their name, people from Cyprus and Cyrene? We don't know their names, but they went and they, and they crossed over the paradigm. No one gave them permission from the Jerusalem. They crossed outside of their paradigm. They, 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 they moved outside of their, remember, they moved outside of their suspicion and their superstitions and their fears because possessed by the Spirit of the Lord, we, we start stepping outside and doing things that love compels us to. And we, we start doing things that faith inspires us to do. And so they step out and they start talking to Gentiles about Jesus. And because they do, the hand of the Lord is with them. The power of God shows up and they start, and then there's a new colony in the kingdom of God birthed at Antioch. And, 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 and not to be a big spoiler alert, but because they did, we have Western civilization was born. We'll get to that. <laughs> Nameless people under the power of God's hand change the world. If they can do it, yeah. if they can do it in Antioch, Vegas, what can you do in Vancouver, Clark County, 
and Portland. Thank you. I needed that support. Man. Have I told you that John G. Lake went to Portland after he left Spokane, when after Spokane was declared the healthiest city in the United States because of his healing ministry there? And he went to Spoke and he went to Portland because he believed that God had something special for that place. Okay, I said it. It's too late now. It's out of the cat the cat's out of the bag. How many know that ripe for judgment and ripe for harvest smell the same? How many believe that Portland's a perfect place for the power of God? Before I talk myself into something I don't want to, I'm going to go back to the Bible. And many believed and turned to the Lord. First of all, many believed. Say that. Many we, that's what we want. Many and turn to the Lord. Many believed and turned. How many know this? That believing and turning go together. Yeah. Right, by the way, in case you want, I'm already out of time. <laughs> I got to keep going. Uh, uh, believing and turning go together. You can't, you, we don't just believe and say, oh, I like the idea of Jesus. He seems like a good guy. But when we put our faith in Jesus, there is a requisite. There is, an ir- there is a gravity that we must turn away from all that is not obedience to Jesus. And we turn to him as Lord. Believe and turn. Say it out loud. What made them Christians? Christians talk about Jesus. If your faith is worth anything, it is worth sharing. And if you share your faith, God will show up. That is a Christian. They talked about Jesus. Secondly, they were a grace place. Someone say grace place. Grace place. News of what was happening reaches Jerusalem and they send Barney. We love Barney. And when Barney came, he saw what the grace of God had done. He saw the evidence of grace. What? What does that mean? What is grace? Grace, we know it is the kindness of God. It is the active goodness of God. But it is not just God. It is not a feeling. (laughs) Ha ha! Whoa. It is not just a feeling that God has. It is not a sentiment in heaven it is the, it, grace is, especially when the New Testament talks about grace doing something, the New Testament is talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. The activity and the influence of the Holy Spirit is the active goodness of God. It is God at work uh, healing and helping and restoring and redeeming and calling people. So when Barney gets there, He saw what grace has done. How do you see grace? Well, how do you see the wind? We don't see the wind, but we see the powerful effect of the wind. We see what the wind does, and in the same way, we see what the Holy Spirit has been doing when we see the powerful and healing and life-giving and life-changing and redeeming and restoring work of the gospel. We know the Holy Spirit has been at work. The grace of God is at work. 
They were a grace place. And when he saw the grace of God, he was glad. That's what grace does. It makes us glad. I'm glad to receive it. Anybody be glad to receive grace? Anybody glad to receive the kindness of God? Anybody benefit from the active goodness of God? Anybody glad to receive the wonderful working of the Holy Spirit in their life? I am glad. I'm glad to receive it. I'm glad to practice it. I'm glad to observe it. If you need more glad, try more grace. If there's not so much glad, there may not be so much grace. And in light of the grace of God, Barney encourages them. Oh, yeah. That's what the church always needs. Everybody needs. This is what grace does. It encourages. But Barney encourages them Listen, to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. This is our response to grace, our full and complete devotion. If our faith is worth anything, it is worth everything. That is a Christian. And then Luke pauses and he kind of highlights Barney's character for us as a Christian ideal. Barnabas was a good man, a good man, not perfect, righteous. His heart was inclined to the Lord. His heart was inclined to God's goodness and inclined to do what was right, and he, and he set his compass on righteousness. He was a good man, and he was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. When, Barney, when, when Luke wants to celebrate someone, when he wants to honor them, he doesn't pull out their resume. He doesn't describe their list of spiritual disciplines or accomplishments or, or achievements. He simply tells us what they're full of. Yeah. How, how do we live as Christians? Be full. Live under the influence of the Holy Spirit and let him lead you in a life that is fully governed by a confident trust. Facing. Thirdly, lastly, they were a greenhouse for growth. Huh. They talked about Jesus. They were a grace place, and they were a greenhouse for growth. Barney, what the next thing he does is, is he, he, Luke says he goes to Tarsus and gets Saul. Now, listen, that's about a 100-mile journey. And remember, Saul wasn't necessarily like hero. Saul wasn't like uh, he wasn't a retired, you know, general in the army. He wasn't a, he, Saul was essentially risky, a troublemaker, and rough around the edges. And he didn't go get Saul because, you know, he didn't say, you know what, I need to put somebody in charge. I need to install a bishop here in Antioch. He simply says, there's something going on here. People are pursuing Jesus. And his inclination was to go get somebody else and bring him alongside and do this together. So he travels 100 miles. And do you know how you find people in first century they didn't, he, didn't have on his, he didn't have find my Saul on his phone. <laughs> you know how you find people? You look for them. This is what, this is what we do. People are worth looking for. Yes. They're worth waiting for. They're worth looking for. They're worth grabbing and bringing all alongside of us. They're worth it because we are about people. Yes. We're about reaching them and encouraging them and empowering them. Ever since Jesus of Nazareth sent untrained fishermen to raise the dead, Christianity has been about putting people into the service of Jesus and in the process, them growing into their potential. So for the next year, they taught great numbers of people. 
Being a Christian isn't just a decision. It means learning to think and act and live like Jesus and doing it alongside other people who are doing it. Working together, encouraging one another, learning from one another under the influence of God's Spirit. Because when we stop learning, we stop following. That's a Christian. And they were called Christians first. This is the Spirit-filled church. We talk about Jesus. We are a grace place. We're a greenhouse for growth. And we are Christians first. What about you? Are you a Christian? You should be. You can be. We'll pray with you today. We'll talk with you, pray with you, help you meet Jesus, become a follower of Jesus. We'll have people here pray with you for God to fill you with his spirit, to empower you to be a follower of Jesus. And all of us, my prayer is that under the, by the grace of God, together under the influence of the spirit we would be christians first that's the spirit-filled church let's stand together we just turn take a few moments just one more moment like make this place an altar lead us quickly will you first.